Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast, and he makes a triumphant return. Larry, how are you, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm great. I feel like I haven't been on here in uh, such a long time. But look, the the game did its best effort to send me away. I gotta say, um, not the most exciting football Trafford's ever seen. Well, I remember in one of our group chats, we were sort of having a discussion at half time with what needs to change and everything, and you were almost having to go at Solskjaer for playing Bruno in the first half. Yeah, how dare he? It's a funny story. I have since gone back and watched the first half, but it was a 7am kickoff here in Australia. I've slept in. I've woken up at half time. I've seen, oh, that's a good shot by Bruno on goal. Later do I realise it was the Manchester City highlights at half time. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm sorry, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I did abuse you recklessly, but I later realised the Portuguese was well rested. So thank you for that. Um, but nonetheless, I will maintain my opening statement on this podcast and say it was not the greatest game of football I've ever watched. Well, on that game, look, we'll, we'll skip over the game really because literally nothing happened. If you got the first five minutes is all you need to know about Scott McTominay goal, and we'll quickly sort of brush over it. But if you were sort of went to an art gallery and they have all that sort of obscure paintings and everything, if you if they had a painting and it was titled Third Round of the FA Cup at Old Trafford," it is a picture of that game. I'm with you, mate, and I don't understand the overreaction that we've sort of seen online because if you think about it, the game in the context of where it is, like you said, first round for Manchester United, third round in the FA Cup as a whole, there are bigger fish to fry. You take into the context the massive week United and Solskjaer have ahead of us. It it was what it was. Uh, You got the job done, you move on. It, It was a professional performance. We were never troubled and... That's the key that I take out of it. United didn't exert any level of energy greater than what they needed to. I think, I think that's the main thing. I think we can sit here and we have sort of obvious and sort of rightfully so sort of frustrations with sort of the entertainment side of things. However, from Solskjaer's point of view, I'm telling you, that's probably the happiest he's been all season. Because one, he's been able to rotate pretty much everyone. I know Marshall and Rashford came on and obviously McTominay played, but he's pretty much rotated the entire side. He's given Pogba a night off, he's given Wan-Bissaka a night off, he's given Shaw a night, Bruno, etc. All these players a night off. He's gone through unscathed, no injuries. I know the incident happened with Eric Bay, but he is fine. And he has progressed in the cup. I think Solskjaer would be absolutely over the moon with what happened. That we literally expended no energy at all. And we've got sort of a fully fresh side facing, sort of ready to face the biggest week of his time at United. And I'll just throw it back to you. Quick question off the top of your head. Do you remember when we won the FA Cup under Louis van Gaal, or even last season, do you remember who we played in the third round of the FA Cup? Would not have a single clue. And that's exactly the point that, you know, I've made and that you've added on. That's it. It's the third round. We've, we've won the game. We move on. No, definitely. Well, we'll just quickly, we'll go pretty much into the Facebook comments, but just first of all, just we might as well touch on sort of the captain of the day. It was a big occasion for him, Scott McTominay. Sort of, he's been at the club now, they're, they're sort of saying 18, 19 years since he was five or six years old. And he's been there and sort of, everyone sort of followed his progression and he has come through and done it very well. But this is obviously the first time he's been able to captain the side. And obviously he does like a good start, Scott McTominay. The two goals against Leeds inside a few minutes and then the same again here against Watford. I think McTominay, look, I'm, I'm happy for him, um, first and foremost. I think you can argue about his ability and we can go on and about that, but it's not worth, going, it's not worth any commentary at the moment. For what he, for what he is, he's a fantastic role model in that dressing room. I think he definitely has, in a dressing room that lacks leaders, I feel like he is a leader for his, I think he's 23 years of age, so he's not old by any means. He carries himself well, and you have to say, he put in a captain's performance. 
to get that armband for the first time and score a goal within the opening five minutes, I think that's a pretty good way to cap the game. And look, while you and I won't remember this game in five years' time, Scott McTominay will, that's for sure. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that. And um, just on that, we might as well go into sort of 3 2 ones. We'll actually do the Facebook comments because we haven't actually discussed the game. We'll go to the Facebook comments first, and maybe that can sort of rejog your memory, your sort of foggy memory of this morning's match, and we can then have a discussion on sort of which players stood out and which 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 players didn't because there were a few who were a little bit below par but we'll go Rav on Facebook goes three for McTominay two for Tellez and one for one matter Emma says three for McTominay two for matter one for Marcus Rashford George goes three for McTominay two for Van der Beek and James for one point which is a hell of a shout um, George um, Dave Knight goes three for Donny Van der Beek Scott McTominay for two and one for one matter and James from Perth goes three for McTominay, two for Tellez, and one for Donny van der Beek. And we'll just start on Donny van der Beek because he's the one everyone wanted to see in the starting lineup. Probably wouldn't get my three points because I think Scott McTominay sort of captain, influential goal, and a decent performance. I think he would get it for me. In saying that, I think Donny van der Beek was the best player on the pitch just in terms of quality. I think I saw some of the stats. He's almost faultless in terms of his sort of ball possession stats. I mean, well, you compare him to Bruno Fernandes. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I'm with you, mate. I thought the Dutchman played really well. And I feel a bit sorry for Donny. I, I sort of get the criticism that fans have had and the commentary that says, you know, he's such a good player. How can you not give him an opportunity? But the reality is United have, especially in the last month, have been in a really positive run of form. And look, Donny will get his opportunity. If you can think back to Fred, when he first joined United, Mourinho barely used him. It was very much a sporadic member of the squad of the squad and I think Donny will start to really ramp up the games and I thought for and the bit I feel sorry for him is it's very hard for a footballer to really get any sort of match rhythm when they're not getting played week in week out Um, but no I'm with you I thought Donny played really well today I love the way he keeps the ball I've said this to you before yes he's not in the Michael Carrick mold but I feel he He's conscious of the players around him the way Carrick was. He, he can, he's already thinking about the pass he's going to get before he even gets the ball. Um, very intelligent footballer is Danny, Donny van der Beek. I think that's one of the things, and you can make, we make this case for Donny van der Beek. I make it every single time one Matacons back into the side, but you can make it for every single player. And what you just said there in terms of feeling sorry for Donny van der Beek, it's hard when a player comes into, let's say, a so-called weaker side. Like You'd rather Donny van der Beek in there playing with Pogba and Bruno Fernandes and Cavani and, and those types of players rather than Dan James's first game in six weeks and having to try and link up with them. So, But you make the same case for a Dan James who comes in with a Brendan Williams or someone who, who's quite, not quite sort of match sharp as well. So it is hard when play, when a lot of fans go over the top with their criticisms in games like this because it, it's hard. Like Some of those players you haven't seen for weeks. Jesse Lingard, like, I thought Jesse Lingard was very good. He, when's the last time Jesse Lingard played a game of football? Oh, I couldn't tell you. When was it? Maybe the Europa League? No, Last no, season? I, I wouldn't have a clue. I'm not sure he's played this season, but yeah, that's the thing. And Lingard did well. But just on that one with Jesse Lingard, do you think that was more of a case of, which we thought maybe with Odin Agalo, maybe giving him a bit of a farewell, but in Lingard's case, almost putting him in the shop window? I think he's been in the shop window for a while. I think just no one fancies those chocolates. Um I imagine he will get sold in the summer. He'll he'll go to another Premier League side. I'm certain of it. But he's got quality. Um, there was even in the cameos he had last season. The Leicester match, um, the last game of the season stands out. 
Um, and there was a game in the Europa League where he played really well. I've been impressed with Lingard. That I know he's played much less football, but the times he has come in, looks a much sharper. Whether that's you know his over the issues that he was facing, you know, a season and a half ago, I'm not sure of the scenario. But United recently triggered his contract extension, if I'm not wrong. So you'd imagine, yeah, I'd, I'd say in the summer he's, he's you can put money on him going. I think. Yeah, no, most likely. Well, just back on to the sort of the topic of three two ones. Would you agree with me, or would you throw any arguments for Scott McTominay being worthy of the three points? Uh, I mean, it has to be Scott, doesn't it? Um, at the end of the day, he's he's the difference maker. There's literally the score was one nil. So, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I thought McTominay put in a real captain's performance, and what a way to cap off with three points on the podcast. I'm sure that'll mean a lot to him. Well, two points and one point now. I don't think... It's one of those ones I think no one stood out for a man of the match. Even McTominay himself probably wasn't like a man of the match performance like standing out, but in terms of comparing him to other players he did, I think everyone, there's a few players worthy of one point. It's a bit of a stretch for two points, but what I just mentioned a little bit earlier didn't stand out, but in terms of just no mistakes at all, I think he was the best footballer on the pitch with Donny van der Beek. Yeah, no arguments from me. Um, I'm happy with what he did and... It was the sort of game where he really didn't need to do a lot. And, you know, like we opened the podcast with, in the context of the match, he did his job. So you have to say two points to the Dutchman is a fair result. So I've thrown the two suggestions out there for three points and two points. I'll throw it to you for, and I think there's a debate regarding this one, but if you want to put the first suggestion for one point. Well, we did keep a clean sheet. I think that's something worth noting. Um, I, I was pretty happy with the defence. They didn't really have much to do. Can we give it to Eric Bailly for not getting injured? Because there was a part there where I was a little bit worried. Um, I saw the news come in. It's like, oh, no, Eric Bailly's injured and he seems he's all right. So, Do you trust his Instagram post that he's not injured? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, there were some reports that came out. He was happy to come back on, but United's doctors were... You know, just let, look, mate, don't worry about it. We'll save you for the week. Let me throw it back to you then. Does Eric Bailly come in in the Premier League? We've seen Lindelof come in against City. Obviously, Tuanzebe played today. So if you're looking ahead, is is sorry, is uh, Eric Bailly your first choice central defender next to Harry Maguire? Look, he definitely would be. I think a lot of it will come down to not so much his fitness in terms of his injury proneness, but does Solskjaer believe he can back up 90 minutes twice in a couple of days so I think he's probably more in line I'd say this might sound stupid I'd say probably more suited to the Burnley game because I think Liverpool the team would probably be better suited defending a little bit deeper and I think in that way you can get a, I wouldn't say get away in a bad way with Lindelof and Maguire if 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 Bayes want to play one game I think the Burnley one actually suits him better just in terms of the way we'll approach it compared to the way we'll, comp- we'll approach the Liverpool one but we'll get into that um you know, the sort of previews, previewing that week just in a little bit. But on that, I wouldn't so much give Bay a point. I think his partner, he didn't stand out, but as you say, in terms of keeping a clean sheet, two on Zavi, can't remember any mistakes, so I'm assuming he had a good game just from memory. Tellers, I thought... Yeah, I was actually happy with Brendan Williams, you know. I thought he, I thought everything that came his way was actually dealt with pretty well, and he had a, he had a puppy in... Oh, no, he, he did have one Mata in front of him. But I thought... I thought Brendan Williams looked quite solid on the right. Um, look, whether we give him a point or not is irrelevant. I just, I'm just i saying it in the context of we've seen Wan-Bissaka barely been rotated out. I think I wouldn't be against Brendan Williams being an option as a backup. Well, yeah, well, it'll be interesting, especially obviously Timothy Fosu-Mensah. Um, looks like he's out the door, so he is the next right back in line. 
But probably my suggestion for point, I, th- I thought I'm not putting his name in for a point, but obviously worth a shout. Obviously, anyone who knows me won't matter. Again, with the Donny van der Beek sort of comparison, didn't stand out, didn't do anything wrong, but just a class above anyone on the pitch. Now, it was a little bit frustrating at times, where, but I think it was the case of it's been on the different wavelength of Dan James or Mason Greenwood, etc. But I thought one matter played well. But for my one point, my final suggestion, I'll throw it back to you, would be Tellez. I think with the assist, they'll got forward well, no mistakes defensively. Um, mm, yeah, no, that's a good shout. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Alex Tellez, clean sheet, assist. Can't really ask for too much more. All right, beautiful. Happy with that. Three, two, ones this week, and just we'll, we'll move on now. And Adam didn't put three, two, ones in in the Facebook comments this week, but I'll throw a question he threw to you. Um, do you think the standard of the EPL is dropping with all these games, and this and is this the reason why we're seeing games like this? That's an interesting question. I don't think it's. Because I think it's actually due to... Yes, the, the fixture congestion definitely plays a key role here. But I think no fans in the ground is definitely having a massive impact. Um, and I just say that because... And, like, you can... I know this sounds crazy, Tom. But if you've just played in a few in front of a few hundred people, when someone's making that spurring run and you hear the roar of a crowd, it gives you that adrenaline rush. Um, and it just gives players that extra bit, you know, when you're chasing and you can hear the roars, it gives you that bit of an energy rush. We're not seeing that. It's almost, I feel like the tempo of the games has actually dropped. That's why the games don't appear to be as back and forth. You almost feel like there has very much a training game or a friendly feel to them. No great intensity. I think that, that for me, if I had to pinpoint something, I think it's the crowds. What do you think? Well, I would move, and I agree, I agree with the points you make there, but I would sort of steer the question away a little bit in terms of there's always a debate in pretty much every single season, every fan and pundit around the world say, this is a weak league. Well, whatever league it is, they're saying, this is the weakest this league has ever been. It used to be stronger back in the day. And that is up for opinion. However, I would throw it the other way, and when we look at points, we say, oh, this team finished on less points so it's a less quality league but I think it's the opposite I look at teams now I look at Aston Villa I look at Watford they have a Premier League team pretty much I look at teams like Aston Villa and I mentioned the point with Everton saying they've got Carlo Ancelotti as their manager they've got a midfield where if we were to buy that midfield of Alain Decore and James Rodriguez it would cost us 200 million pound to buy that midfield sort of thing so I look at that and we see big teams dropping points and we say oh the big teams aren't as good as what they were and I look at it and I say, well, no, the, the lesser teams are a lot better than what they were. And that is making it a far tighter league. And yet someone's not going to win it with 100 points this season. But I don't think that means the standard has dropped. In my opinion, the lesser teams are closing that gap and making it far tighter, which I think, in my opinion, sort of increases the standard of the league. I mean, look, if you're asking me has the standard of the league dropped, I'd say yes, but even I wouldn't say it's dropped this season. I'd actually argue it's dropped over the last three, four, five seasons. And the reason I say that is if you can think to the early 2000s when United and Arsenal and Chelsea were winning Premier League titles, normally it would be 79 to 81, 82 points. That's winning you the league. If you look at the last three years, it's had to be nine, like high 90s, even hitting 100 points. So you'd have to say that means the top sides are taking more points off the bottom sides more than ever. So I'd actually argue the competitiveness of the league has dropped off in the last three years or so since Manchester City's record-breaking season in terms of points. Um, and I'd say this season it's just come back to field because of that fan difference and obviously the you know fixture congestion. 
But in terms of, and yes, there, there is an argument, and you can say sort of the, the ladder doesn't lie, the points don't lie, the stats don't lie. But when we see a team like, like Liverpool drop points to West Brom, yes, it's a bit of a shock, but it's not really when you go through the team. Like, if we were to drop points to Burnley, I'm not saying Burnley are a great team, but it's not a world shock, which it would have been in 2008 when United played. And do you think that is so much a thing United have dropped off, which obviously they have, but these bigger teams have dropped off, or are we going to give credit to those lesser teams coming up now? Oh, no, you have to give credit, of course. I mean, look at Aston Villa last season. They were they they escaped relegation through a bare gap of like you know like it was just by fine fine margins and then this season they they've been in the top half of the table and it's January so you have to say I, I don't from what I've seen they haven't had a massive recruitment drive so you have to say that something is up I I can't pinpoint exactly what it is but look I'm happy with a more competitive league it's it's refreshing to turn on the TV and not know. Who's going to win? It's stressful as a Manchester United fan, but I dare say under normal circumstances, United would not be competing for the title. So you have to reap the pros and the cons of this. Yeah, I think that is one thing when you do look at it. By the time people listen to this, we could be top of the table. So, But just before we get on to the big week ahead for Solskjaer and United, there obviously has been a January edition, which we obviously did sign months ago, but the paperwork and his visa has finally been completed and we have signed... I'm, I think no one is using the word Traore in his name. I think we're calling him Ahmad Diallo. So we'll go with Diallo um, until the commentator tells us what to say. But um, your thoughts on his arrival? Because he is in Manchester now. He is ready he is ready and available. Um, I think he's registered in the squad. So he can play against Burnley. He can play against Liverpool. Now, obviously, we're not expecting that at all. Expect him to go into the 23s. But just your thoughts on the signing. And if maybe you don't think he goes into the 23s, do you think, do you see a performance like Dan James and think, well... Maybe throw Diallo in there because we have spent huge money on him. Yeah, we have. I think he'll start off in the 23s, but I, I dare say by fourth round FA Cup, I think he gets his debut. Well, that must be I, I know... in the fourth round of the FA Cup. I assume the draws uh, out in a day or two. The, the way they have to fix the, fit these fixtures in, I'm sure that's going to be soon. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think he'll play. Um, the, I know you shouldn't read too much in a squad numbers, but the fact he got a number 19... That suggests to me he's very much in first-team sight. Um, if you think of Palestri signing, he got a number that's well out of, you know, top 30. I think he was 31 or something. Or no, Matt, it's just 31. I think it was 35. or it, it was a large number. I know that sounds crazy, but players generally don't get given high numbers unless they're going to be on the peripheral of the first team. Um, I think Diallo does come in. And because, simply put, we don't have a rich pool of wingers. Um, if Rashford goes down or Martial goes down, there's not really much to come in, is there? So you have to say he's definitely going to get first-team football. It'll just be up to him and how quickly can he adjust to the physicality of English football. Look, I've I've scouted him on YouTube, just um, I'm sure you have too. He's definitely got technical ability. His dribbling looks like it, it's phenomenal. Anthony Martial levels of ridiculousness. Um, that was a tongue-tie, ridiculousness. Um but look, I don't know what he'll be at the end of the day. He is 18 years of age. He's, he's going to need time to settle. I don't want to set the standard too high. I think it is a good signing. Is he the solution to our right-hand wing problem since David Beckham? I, I can't say I am sure that he can be. Maybe in a couple years' time, but it, it's, not, like, it's not for me. It's not one where you say, okay, forget the Jaden Sancho pursuit. I still think you need a finished article or someone who's got a bit more development in them on that right-hand side. 
Yeah, look, I've always made the case that I just my hunch would be in terms of the age and sort of his experience within the game would he'd follow the same path as Palestri. But I just look at the money we spent on him. And as you say, the squad number, and that does play a little bit of a part as well. But the money we're spending on this kid, uh, we as fans are right to, or hopefully right not to place too much expectation on him. I'm sure some fans will. But sort of, I think a lot of level-headed fans will be very patient with him. But there is, there's a time the club almost can't be patient with him. You're going to outlay that much money. It's like 30, potentially up to 40 million pound. The club obviously expects something from him. Yeah, no doubt. Look, he'll play first-team football. I think I dare say he'll play first-team football before Palestri does. I'm going to say, I do feel sorry. Can I... All right, sorry, I'm going to rewind a step back. I've, I've gone... With, instead of calling him Palestri, I'm going with Pastizzi Pastry. I think it's a tasty food. For anyone out there who hasn't tried a Pastizzi Pastry, make sure you get on it. But I just... I think it's more enjoyable to say. So, Pastizzi Pastry, I think he was going to make his debut today. Um, unfortunately, he got COVID. So, i got to say, I do feel a bit sorry for the kid there. But yeah, I think Diallo. By the end of the season, I think we'll know he, we'll know his name a lot more, and we'll know more about him compared to um, Pastizzi Pastry because he, you've seen him, Tommy. He's clearly got ability. But look, what is exciting about United's and recruitment is they are getting young kids in, and uh, they must be doing that because they must trust that with these Brexit restrictions, which is something we do need to think about now when we are recruiting young players. There might be an opportunity now to maybe scout younger players, you know, and maybe more so into um, South America because with the the limitations that it's now going to place on other European players to come in, United seem to be trying to go for a cheaper option. Sure, up to 40 million, but that's based on add-ons and potential and hitting those targets. I I, I dare say, I I don't think you're going to see those 50, 60, 80 million pound transfers for a little while now. Yeah, no, hard to argue. And just on Palestri, hopefully he um, obviously gets back back fit and back healthy soon, but hopefully stays well away from the training ground because obviously he needs to isolate because United have, not just United, but Solskjaer has his biggest week as a manager of Manchester United. It is, I don't think it can be understated. Obviously, we can look at big weeks like the Europa League final or the FA Cup final under Van Hal, and they're big moments. And this is just two, two Premier League fixtures in the middle of January. You wouldn't sort of say these are sort of major events. But this one is for the sheer fact that we can go to the top of the table on Wednesday and then we go top of the table above the Premier League champions who we visit on um, Sunday, Monday morning, Sydney time. So we'll just break it down a little bit in regards to how we, how you would approach the Burnley game with the Liverpool game in mind. But just your general thoughts going into this Burnley game in terms of the importance of winning or the, imp- the importance of obviously we do want to win, but a point will also take us top. Now, we obviously do want more than a point. But how do you say view the importance of actually visibly going top and not joint second? I think you go full strength. Um, Liverpool's advantage last season, in my opinion, was they went first early on and no one really challenged them. If United can go first, it'll be a challenge for Liverpool from the mental side of the game because they haven't been in a position where they've had a chase from last season and through to this season so far. They've been sitting pretty at the top for most of it um, in both seasons. So for United to go top, I think would be massive. So if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you go full strength for me. Um, I think there's enough turnaround between the two games that you can do that. Look, we've had the Bay lindelof debate earlier. You could potentially rotate one of them in or out. I think with midfield, you could rotate in or out. Paul Pogba didn't play today. I think he comes in for sure. But he can he can definitely he can back up after what four days so it won't it won't be an issue there. 
I think um, you'll see Martial, Rashford, Bruno. They'll, they'll definitely come in. I'd love to see Van der Beek get played. I'd support that if it meant Bruno gets another rest and maybe just some minutes at the end because I feel like Bruno more than anyone needs a break. But you wouldn't be too hard on Solskjaer if he goes with the Portuguese, would you? I think, yeah, I think if you can get a win, it gives United a massive mental advantage going into the game against Liverpool for sure. How do you? What do you? If you if we're going to take four points from these, let's say we win win one and draw one, which is your preference in terms of is it win against Burnley and go there top and draw away at Liverpool, or is it get a point to go top, and then obviously beat Liverpool? Like if you had to pick it, because winning two games, two tough games, is going to be tricky. So how do you value what's almost more important to win? Look. As a United fan, of course, I want us to beat Liverpool. But if I'm being a realist and thinking with my head, beat Burnley, get a draw at Anfield, I think that that's a very positive outcome for Manchester United. At the end of the day, all you need to do is, against your rivals or title rivals, you just need a draw. Away from home, that's all you need. If you can manage to get a goal in that, fantastic. But at the end of the day, you have to think if we can get that three points... That puts us three points ahead of Liverpool going into the game. That's a mental advantage. And if you just get a draw at Anfield, I feel like that hurts Liverpool more mentally than it does benefit Manchester United, should we say, draw to Burnley and beat Liverpool. Because, yes, it's a game, but at the end of the day, it's one game as part of the season. They win the rest of their games. United drop more points down the line. You know, I feel like it's it's more beneficial to Liverpool. So if I'm if I'm only going to Solskjaer, I definitely want the win against Burnley. And if I can nip a point at Anfield, I think that's a positive result. You talk about earlier sort of making sure you're willing to go full strength in both games. There's enough turnaround and sort of got a fit squad. Okay, we want to go with our strongest players. But do you think there is a, which I mentioned at the start of the podcast, in terms of if Bayes going to play one game, I'd actually prefer him in the Burnley game over Liverpool, just in terms of the way I think we would approach Liverpool or the way, not so much approach Liverpool, but the way the game would pan out against Liverpool, I think we'll defend for large periods. So do you think, while keeping the full strength sort of idea in mind, there is a different approach for the game? Do you think, like in terms of a big game, a big away game, Solskjaer could very well revert to a three at the back sort of thing? So do you think there is going to be sort of that in Solskjaer's team selection? Well, it could do. I think whether he plays three at the back or not is something he needs to think about. Liverpool like to play with a false nine, so that's the tricky bit. And we saw against Manchester City that that left our defenders very confused. Maguire and Lindelof, and it would be hard. When you're a defender and there's no player in front of you, It's you're almost confused. You feel like something's wrong. Um, so I wouldn't be against a three at the back. But if I'm if I'm Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I want Bay in the team against Liverpool. So he needs to decide, do I rest Bay for this match or can I trust him to go back-to-back? The reason I say you need Bay is because you look at the pace of Liverpool. You've got Mo Salah, you've got Mane, who's very tricky, very quick. You're going to need good recovery pace. If Maguire gets done by any of those players, I think we're in trouble. So you want someone with a bit of recovery speed. And I, I don't think Lindelof's going to offer that, so... Tricky decision, but if it's if it was up to me, I'd be definitely whatever you do. Eric Bay needs to start against Liverpool for mine. Just on the Liverpool game, and obviously when we do the podcast after the Burnley match, we'll have a far clearer picture and we'll sort of preview the Liverpool match in more depth. But just looking at Liverpool now, a week in advance, Paul Pogba, massive away game. You assume if fit, Scott McTominay and Fred will play. Can you see Paul Pogba playing with Bruno in that match, or do you think that's a game where Solskjaer really needs that? sort of physicality in those legs in regards to McTominay, Fred, and um, sort of no real place for the Frenchman? 
Oh, that's a really hard one. Look, I, I personally would try to maybe go with a diamond. Um, I'd fit Paul Pogba in my midfield. Think you're gonna you, you need your best players in these games, but if you, you your hunch is Solskjaer will go with Fred and McTominay, he he will do it. Um, which I, I don't necessarily agree with, but when it's given you results in bigger games, I can understand why he would. But I think we saw against Manchester City. Against better opposition who can actually use the ball, I don't think that that's enough. Well, you can still get the in diamond saying that, in. You still, can still get that diamond in with Pogba and Bruno and McTominay and Fred. If Fred was to sit and McTominay was to play alongside Pogba in that box-to-box role, you still sort of got that system with all the individuals in it. Yeah, I take that. But I think you need someone with a... With all due respect to Fred and McTominay, you want someone with a bit more football intelligence? Oh, oh, Fred can give away a reckless foul. I would be playing that. 100%, mate. Yeah, I agree there. I think you, you play Matic. I think you put enough legs surrounding him with a Fred. And like we say, you know, you if you play Bayi, you put Fred or McTominay next to Matic. I, I think that that's enough legs in that midfield. And Matic's intelligence and recycling of the ball can get United, you know, whether we counter or just need to keep the ball for certain periods of the game. I think you need that experience. Now, just to finish off the podcast, just in regards to what we've talked about the players and how we think it'll pan out. In terms of Solskjaer, obviously United is bigger than Solskjaer, but this is huge for Solskjaer. This is a massive week for him. How do you think the narrative will change either way? If we get six points, we'll go top of the table. Obviously, he'll be on top of the world. But could you imagine we lose a game here or there over the next week, what the reaction will be, obviously, after sort of not throwing away the semi-final, but sort of going out in the semi-final of the city and that huge disappointment. If we fail to sort of capitalise on the chance to go top, how do you think the next sort of couple of weeks do play out for Solskjaer? Uh, well, the media will hound him out. Um, our mate Duncan Castles, he, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait after the, the loss against Manchester City. But the, the article will start to be, he's a bottle job, which I don't agree with. I think you can definitely say there's been progress, but that's what I fear. That's what I fear the, the articles will be and the story will be. It'll be <clears throat> Oli fails in semi-final matches. And when the pressure's on to go top, he falls short. It's not right. I think if you're anyone with a brain can see United have definitely progressed. I think the style of football, as a United fan, you have to say you should be most happier since Sir Alex retired watching football games this season. But unfortunately, that's going to be the article, mate. So for Oli's sake... You just uh, mentioned there the progression. and We have progressed 100%, but people are saying we haven't because they look at semi-finals and say... We get into the same spot and still losing. They think, well, that's a League Cup. Have you seen the league table? When is the last time in January, mid-January, we're going to be top of the table? But that is clear sign of progression. You go back a year before, a year ago today, a couple of weeks before we signed Bruno Fernandes, I, I would hate to think how many points we were behind Liverpool. I, I 100% agree with you, but you know, you know how the media works. You know what they think of Manchester United and. An opportunity to dig a man out is one that, unfortunately, the English press do take. So, I'm with, look, I'm going to look at it the other way. I'm going to say, if Oli can get four points out of these next two games, and particularly just not suffer a loss at Anfield, I think that'll do him and the squad a world of good for the rest of the season. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, I think this one is almost, obviously, the points are vital, obviously, and it's important to get a win over a rival. I think almost more important than the points, and obviously at the end of the day, they're not. But the most important thing for me here is almost a statement. Both the players need to make a statement, Solskjaer needs to make a statement, and I think United, just as a collective in general, 
if we can go there and I'm not going to say boss Liverpool, but if we can go there as top of the table leaders and then go and get the result against Liverpool, we want. It just it's not a statement of okay, Man United are back here, we are. But people will start to take notice because at the moment that everyone's saying oh they'll fall away or it's a, it's, a, it's a weird league that's why they're top. But if we can go there and sort of sort of flex our muscles and be the Man United everyone remembers. I think that is almost could prove more beneficial than the actual sort of individual points, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, mate. And that's the thing. I think in the context of the season, this week's massive and it all starts against Burnley. Get a positive result there. and You've got to think what it does for the squad. You know, if you're heading into that Liverpool match, I, I don't think a draw at Burnley gives the squad a great deal of confidence, even if they do go top. You want the three points. And I think that Burnley game's massive. And then we can, you know, in our preview, obviously look ahead to Anfield and... Dare to dream that 21 could potentially be on. Well, I'll just get in. Well, again, we'll preview the Liverpool game um, later in the week. But you just mentioned there, a dream. My dream is simple for the Liverpool game. I don't care what happens against Burnley. All I want from Anfield is in the 93rd minute, VAR to give us a penalty, Bruno to miss it. Then we have the retake. Goalkeeper's off his line. Bruno has a retake in, obviously, the um, Zebra kit. Slots at home, 1-0 away at Anfield. That is my. I don't. Then I don't care about the league. I just want to witness that. <laughs> oh, I can't. I want to go on Twitter straight after. <laughs> could you, well, I think actually these two games. I assume we'll wear the zebra kit against Burnley and potentially against Liverpool. So it could be um, an interesting week in United's history. So iconic images, I think. But as I said, I think is the Burnley game Wednesday morning for us in Sydney. So a podcast will be out on Wednesday night, um, Sydney time, and we'll obviously review the. Um, the Burnley game, and we can talk about our so the tabletop in Reds going away to Anfield, and then um, yeah, that'll be a very interesting podcast this time next week. Fingers crossed, we are three points clear. On actually, would be six points clear, wouldn't we? Yeah, it would be six points clear if we, well, win, if we beat Liverpool. If yeah, we two games. Yeah. So um, a very interesting week for United and Solskjaer ahead. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed that podcast and gave you something to listen to rather than sort of a match review where absolutely nothing happened in the match. So hopefully, everyone enjoyed it. It was good to chat to you again, Larry. Yeah, mate, pleasure. And looking forward to hopefully discussing a three-pointer against Burnley. No, beautiful. So hopefully everyone is subscribed on their podcast app. Make sure you just search United Pubcast, whether that be on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, whatever it may be, and the same on all your social medias. Really do appreciate all the interaction. So hopefully it is a positive week for you and obviously Ollie's Reds. And we'll chat to you after the Burnley match. Cheers. Cheers.